Hello and welcome to the movie podcast. My name is Daniel. I'm your host today and joining me is Anthony. Hello everyone. And Shabazz. Hello everyone. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I I dig it. I like we're you know we're in a we're in a good mood today. I like it. Uh we just finished recording our review of Spiral from the Book of Saw, so you can look out for that review tomorrow. Uh but as always, you can catch a brand new episode of the movie podcast every single Monday and watch out throughout the week for our review episodes and all the latest movies and series. Make sure you follow us at the movie podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and join our Discord. Check out the show notes for all those links and more. Uh, before we get to our announcements, I want to know how you guys are doing. So, Anthony, how are you doing? How's your week? Uh, really good. Um, yeah, it's, it, was, it was a crazy week here in Toronto. You know, we went from really warm to really cold, and then all of a sudden snow on Friday or Thursday. Is it Friday? Yeah, Friday. Friday. It became rain and then snow all of a sudden. And right now the temperature is... is Okay, it's a good 18. I'm not too sure what that is in Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. So um, I'm enjoying the, you know, 64. Yeah. 64. The crazy weather that we've been having. Other than that, it's, yeah, it was a flyby week. I was able to watch Cruella and, you know, Spiral and some other great content that I'll share at the end of the show. I love it. Shabazz, how about yourself? Yeah, same as Anthony, man. We had some weird weather here in Toronto where it got really cold. Today, it's not too bad. I mean, I was outside today and uh, it's, 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 it's coming down with, a nice, with some nice heat. And I hope Anthony's okay. Anthony, you good? <laughs> <laughs> we Anthony's like, don't talk, about, don't talk about the weather again. I have a strict rule that about po- weather. Is that, is that pollen in the air? You know, it's in my room. Hey, I, I, I was reading an article today about how the pollen count is so much higher this year because I've had a lot of friends complaining to me about their allergies as if I'm sort of some sort of allergy expert. Mr. Uh, allergy all, all I can do is sympathize with them and empathize with them a little <laughs> bit too. And Anthony, I know you have been you've just been dying by them too. Yeah, it's there's like you can literally see on the streets it's sheets of pollen like group like that yellow green. <laughs> it's just like gangs of pollen. Yeah. You would wake up in the morning and it would just be lying there. So either it could be because our weather was really warm in March and then our trees started to kind of pollinate and then suddenly became cold and became warm again so this mixture i was just i was just choking on the water that it was drinking and that's why i almost died on our show <laughs> you would have, you would have oh, died wow. live on the show that would have been great for the ratings that i think that's how we all want we'd to hit go. 200 i want to go so we'd hit 200 five-star reviews so quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah they got a guy die on their show this is the podcast damn. where someone dies damn that's, than spiral, I, mean, that's, that's I, for sure. I think that's what we could all aspire to right yeah uh for myself you know it's, it was a rocky light night last night you know with the leafs oh, uh, losing Twice, two in a row when they're up three in the series. So we'll uh, we'll see how the game shakes out tomorrow. So the day this episode goes out, you may be listening to it while watching the Leafs game, and it may be a really great game for Leaf fans, or it may be an awful game for Leaf fans. So we'll see how we're doing, or you, see, you could see how I'm doing later in the week when we have other reviews coming out. But we'll see how it goes. Um, some quick announcements this week: we do have lots of reviews on the feed. Our friends reunion reaction slash review is out now. You could check that out. We go really in depth with our kind of history of friends and what we thought of the reunion special. Our review of Corella, Riders of Justice, Army of the Dead, Master of None, Modoc, Those Who Wish Me Dead, and more are available now on the movie podcast feed. 
Speaking of uh, Master of None, uh, Spotify, the official Twitter account, Spotify podcast, actually called us out or not called us out, shouted us out. They didn't. They didn't challenge us. <laughs> they anything. challenged us. Hey, uh, they shouted us out and you know, kind of said, "Hey, if you want to watch this uh, Master of None season three, make sure you listen to the movie podcast review." After I'm like, "Oh, that's really cool." Um, so I thought that was awesome that they did that. Uh, we also had a question of the week that we posted on our Instagram. So we're going to try doing this a lot more uh, on our Instagram feed. And we were asking, uh, we asked you guys, what are your favorite Disney live action adaptations? Uh, so we are talking, uh, obviously, with Corella on top of mind. I'm going to ask you guys because I know we've uh, we've had this discussion before on the show. I don't think we've spoken about it for a while. But uh, Shay, I'm going to get you to start us off. What are you, some of your favorite live action adaptations of uh, from Disney properties? Um, I enjoyed Jungle Book a lot. I mean, if you look at the the remakes. Uh, it, we're, are we speaking specifically about live action remakes or just live action Disney films? I think we could let's just look at the lens of, I guess, Disney live action films that were once animated films. If that makes sense. Wow, that's 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 a lot of layers to uh, unravel <laughs> there. Um, yeah, I think for me, really, it just comes down to probably. Yeah, the Jungle Book, and I and I actually also really enjoyed Cinderella by Kenneth Branagh, but uh, I wasn't big too big on Mulan, um, Aladdin. I didn't really dig so much either, and The Lion King isn't really live action because it is also CG, and again, I also didn't enjoy that at, as much as well. So, I, I think for me that that's kind of where it 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 ends. It's just mostly Cinderella. Cruella, of course, that we we you know have our review up for, and the Jungle Book, which I enjoyed as well. Awesome, Anthony. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, for me, I I liked I did I really liked the Jungle Book. I also liked uh, Maleficent, which was the one with Angelina Jolie. And uh, recently, well, I'll give my review at the end is Cruella. I thought Cruella was fantastic. Everything else Perfect. was so- uh, bleh. <laughs> Actually, I haven't watched you know, Christopher Robin, but oh, Christopher Robin does too, that yeah. count? I guess it was based off of like Winnie the Pooh, but it was more like of a story about the characters. Yeah, because it's, it's, I, it's I also entering in between one. I did enjoy that one as well. Yeah. So uh, we asked this question to our lovely Instagram followers, and we, this is some of the responses that we got. Uh, so Erica writes in, and she said, "Maleficent, Cinderella, uh, the original Mary Poppins." Uh, Natalie says, "Probably an unpopular opinion, but Aladdin." Mm. Uh, Rick wrote in and said, "Beauty and the Beast." Nate said, "Maybe this," in response to it being Cruella. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for everybody who uh, wrote in. We had a cinema cinema sass wrote in says Cruella. It was respectful, nostalgic, and drenched with fashion and deliciously evil. Five out of five. That's awesome. So thank you that for everybody. Saucy who, review. I like it. That is a saucy review. I liked it. So thank you for everybody who gave us their review and their their favorite Disney live action uh, adaptation. Uh, this week on the feed, we do have our review of Spiral from the Book of Saw finally dropping on Tuesday. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day of release, on Wednesday night or Thursday morning, we'll have our review of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and some other cool news. We're going to the Tribeca Film Festival. So we just got accepted this week. Um, So we will be covering some movies and shows at that film festival later on in June, second week of June. Uh, So make sure you're subscribed here to the movie podcast so you can hear all of our reviews and reactions to everything that's going on there. Sadly, we cannot go this year. 
hopefully next year we'll be able to hit a lot more of these film festivals in person. Uh, later on the show today, we will be speaking with Barry Hertz, the deputy arts editor and film editor of the Globe and Mail, to talk to Canadian summer movie season. You may remember that last week we had uh, we were reading Barry's article on the show, and we've actually read a bunch of his different articles uh, on the show throughout the last two years of doing this. So uh, we're so excited to talk to Barry, and make sure you tune in. But until then, let's get into the news. <laughs> It looks it looks okay. It looks pretty good. I don't know how it's going to sound, but it looks okay. Uh, first news story. So we have four news stories total this week, uh, but the first one is a pretty big one. Amazon buys MGM studio behind James Bond for eight point four five billion dollars this is coming from brett lang and todd spangler of variety james bond has a new home amazon and mgm announced a definitive merger agreement under which amazon will acquire mgm for 8.45 billion dollars MGM, founded in 1924, complements Amazon Studios, which has primarily focused on producing TV programming, the company said. Amazon will help preserve MGM's heritage and catalog of films and provide customers with greater access to these existing works, the companies added. For Amazon, snapping up MGM, which has more than 4,000 movies and 17,000 shows in its catalog, is a way to supercharge its prime video service with a slew of well-known entertainment titles. In addition, Amazon is anticipating being able to mine Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer properties like Pink Panther, Rocky, and yes, the 007 franchise for new originals. The MGM deal is Amazon's second largest acquisition behind its $13.7 billion purchase of Whole Foods in 2017. Now, what's really interesting about this article, which we'll get into, is that M- MGM has kind of always been trying to be bought in the last couple of years. You know, we heard rumblings of of Netflix, of Apple, and different ones. But I just find it so interesting that, you know, we're in a, we're in a time right now where obviously tech conglomerates are the ones buying these big companies. And like when you see the last big acquisition Amazon made was Whole Foods, which is a grocery store company. So like that's kind of where we're going in the future is with these bigger tech companies buying out these studios because they have just such ridiculous amounts more of money. Anthony, I'm going to get you to start off with your reaction to MGM being purchased by Amazon. You could start us off with this one. Yeah. It, when the news dropped, it was, it was pretty huge. It, there was always talks of a tech company buying, you know, MGM and specifically we talked about it a lot, you know, with Apple in the works to purchase, you know, James Bond. And, and we were thinking, or thinking, what, what would it be? What would it look like with James Bond as an Apple original, you know, franchise, not original franchise, but Apple franchise. And then Amazon comes out of nowhere and swoops in and takes the franchise away. And it's, it's a huge, it's a huge undertaking uh, because I know a lot of people were not happy with, especially I think the Broccoli's, they didn't want a tech company to own the Bond series and, and run the day-to-day franchise for it because they didn't want limited series and they didn't want you know, a Bond being able to stream, a Bond film being able to stream on on a Prime uh, account right away. 
which again, I don't know what the logistics of what their movies are going to look like, but they didn't want any original content. That's for sure. Uh, from the Bond franchise. And that's where I'm at at this point, because I know Bond and Rocky are the huge franchises that were purchased from this, from this MGM deal. Everything else can't, seems small, like Silence of the Lambs, I guess that's huge, and Tomb Raider, The Magnificent Seven, Thomas Crown Affair. A lot of these films are, they, I don't think they're going to bring, bring in huge amounts of money compared to maybe a Bond or a Creed slash Rocky film. Um, it just makes sense at this point. It was either Amazon or Apple or Netflix. Yeah. To purchase. Okay. It, 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 it's not surprising. I, I'm surprised it just sold for 8.4 billion. I thought it would sell for more, seeing that Whole Foods was 13. But then again, they might be bringing in more revenue than different. Yeah. Different thing. I mean, studios are losing money traditionally, right? And, you know, I always think back to, Disney buying Marvel for four billion and buying Lucasfilm for four billion. What a steal that was for Disney ten years ago at this point, right? Or ten plus years ago that they bought these companies that no no studio is going to come close to producing billion dollar movies like Marvel or Star Wars does consistently, right? So MGM is a huge get, but it's also not the the cash cow that I think. Um, that uh, that Amazon is going to want it to be right away. Again, mm-hmm. granted, Disney did turn Star Wars and Marvel and the MCU into billion dollar franchises because up to that point they weren't that right. They they got in early, so maybe Amazon's thinking, hey, maybe we can do the same thing, right? Maybe we can yeah. turn these franchises into big, huge blockbuster movies, but. With them being owned by Amazon, we know they're going to go to Prime. And is it going to be theaters and Prime, or is it just going to be Prime Video right away? Yeah, right, that, and that's the weird spot. That's the weird spot. And I'm I when you know when I, when they said there could be um, Bond original content that doesn't revolve around Bond, I was intrigued because I would like to know more about maybe Money Penny or the characters who are part of the Bond franchise that are supporting but now can get their own shows because they they seem more interesting you i get like bond is a coveted character and his storyline is it's the same thing with bond every single ep- movie he, he finds right. love he gets he's he hunts down like some dude who's trying to kill him he kills him that's the end of the film like there's never ever a twist there's never there's nothing from a Bond film that you're like, oh yeah, that was shocking. So there's they all nothing- they all felt very like very just kind of enclosed within each movie, right? Right. Each Bond movie, like Bond movies, typically didn't have like direct sequels where we saw like Quantum of Solace kind of directly following up the the ending of Casino Royale and things like right. They feel very kind of enclosed, very like just their own kind of sandbox, right? right? And this is where you can open that up. Maybe a villain gets his own movie. Who knows? Sure, it's possible. Right, uh, Shay. How about yourself? What did you think of this news? You know, when you when you put into perspective, um, Disney and Star Wars being bought for four billion, this seems like they paid a lot for MGM. MGM is that studio that you know for years we've been hearing about wanting to be bought out or, or is going bankrupt. So, for eight billion, that's a lot. But I know that Amazon is hoping to turn Bond into something bigger than it is. I'm I'm 
curious. Uh, Bond movies to me have always been great films to watch in theaters. So, and I know Amazon does still like playing their films in theaters. So I, I truly hope that doesn't change. But I'm curious. I, I, I want to know where this goes. I don't know when we're going to see this. This is obviously going to be a new Bond because this is clearly Daniel Craig's last film. Well, hopefully, or we don't know yet. Um, and then, yeah, the, the rest of it is just going to be, I think, a lot of reworking with this with this company. So I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, Amazon's huge. They're absolutely massive. So this is not a surprise that they want to get into this business, too. They already have an Oscar, I believe. So what's next for them, right? Right. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, Anthony brought up the Broccoli family. Uh, I wonder how much say they have going forward with all the Bond spinoffs and everything like that. Um, and I wonder, too, you know, Bond, like Shay was just saying, is a traditionally um, theater experience, of course. Right. And, you know, there was always rumblings of Christopher Nolan coming in and maybe doing his own Bond. Maybe Amazon is the studio that locks up Nolan for his next movies after, you know, Nolan had his fallout with Warner Brothers. Maybe Nolan signs a first look deal with Amazon wow. if Amazon promises <laughs> him that he'll have theatrical release day and date. Um, who cares what happens to the movie afterwards? But if Amazon could promise Nolan that the um, basically, hey, Mr. Nolan, here's a blank check. Go make whatever movie you want. It will play in all the theaters you want it to and then play on Amazon. I could see Nolan going to Amazon too, and free you know? Prime for a year. They'll give him that for and sure. And free, you know, he'll get his he'll get his purchases next day. Next day delivery. You know, next day delivery. So instant delivery. You know, <laughs> you know, I could see it. They'll just have to be like Nolan. You have to own a cell phone first to use it, though. And he's like, I don't so, know what that is. A cell phone? No, no, no. On the telly? No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Again, this is early. We're not going to see the repercussions for this for the next few years obviously when disney bought fox for 70 billion dollars uh that we're still only starting to see the little glimpses Mm -hmm. of it now in the mcu and it's only going to be more and more as the years come so this is the start of something big and i'm excited to cover it with you guys for the next hundred years of us doing this show uh, next Damn. up on the news docket, 100 years, I'm telling you, Aaron Taylor Johnson to play Spider-Man villain Craven the Hunter in solo movie. This has come from Beert, uh, Beatrice Verhoeven of The Rap. Aaron Taylor Johnson has nabbed the lead role as Craven the Hunter in Sony's Marvel film. The studio announced on Wednesday. The studio also locked in actor for multiple pictures as the iconic Spider-Man villain. JC Chandor is directing Craven the Hunter. The project is being billed as the next chapter of Sony's universe of Marvel licensed characters. That just rolls right off the tongue. Born into Russian aristocracy, Sergei Kravinov, aka Craven the Hunter, is an obsessed big game hunter who was introduced as a Spider-Man villain in The Amazing Spider-Man 15 in 1964 and is created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Craven the Hunter will be released on January 13th. 2023 we're getting a craven the hunter movie anthony is this a good thing or is this a bad thing what are your thoughts this is a good thing for sony because i it, clearly they're creating their spider-verse that they've been they want to recreate the marvel universe but with spider-man characters uh, for their for their brand and it makes sense to have you know venom and carnage now craven in you know the new Spider-Man films, it's just a matter of time that there's going to be some sort of Endgame event for that Spider Verse, and they can make 
quite a bit of money um, involving these characters because you know you involve Miles Morales, you got Peter Parker, you got Crave, you got Venom. Um, I guess I don't know how. I don't understand. The only thing I don't understand is how these characters are managed. It's Craven's owned by Sony, and then there's Mysterio, who's owned by Marvel, or is owned by Sony, but can show up in other movies. So I'm just, I'm just curious to see how this plays out in the next ten years. But that's where I think they're going with. They're going with that Spider Verse, some sort of multiverse Spider-Man, the villain verse, you villain, know? Yeah, they'll they'll get Rhino in there. They'll 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 have everyone and make it a Sinister Six, a proper Sinister Six, um, and create this huge event for them. Yeah, it's possible, right? I mean, we're in a really interesting spot with the Sony movies. I know, like, we're like, okay, you know, like their their own universe, but Michael Keaton, who is in the MCU is now going to be in Morbius. So you're just kind of just like, okay, what's going on here? Well, all these characters are just, they're in the same universe or they're not, they're tied to the MCU a little bit, but they're not in the MCU. I know multiverses are going to be, be a big thing. Maybe that's what they just kind of rely on. Shay, what do you think? What are your thoughts on JC Chandor, who we last saw, who did Triple Frontier, which we all really liked. Um, what do you think about him taking the reins of a Craven the Hunter movie? And what are your thoughts on... Aaron Taylor Johnson playing this character. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, I mean, I know we've heard him do accents before, so uh, let's see how that goes. Um, I never really imagined him as Craven the Hunter. When I when I think of Craven the Hunter, it's always this really buff, like, you know, he's got a beard and like a ponytail kind of going I, on. I always picture like uh, either Jeffrey Dean Morgan or yeah, Jason Momoa. Type, 100%. You know? Those are the two people mm-hmm. I immediately think of. So, I mean, here we go. Let's Let's do this. I still don't understand what Sony's plan is. I, it almost feels like this is a Spider-Man belongs to like a divorced couple. And, you know, Disney yeah. is that mom who loves him and, you know, whatever he wants, stay up late. And, but still like he gains respect and he goes back to Sony and Sony's just beating him at night and being like, yeah, you're, you're going to fight Craven today and you're going to fight Morbius. Uh, and then you, you hear, uh, you know, the, the Sony exec, uh, Sanford Panich, Panich, and he talked about how, oh, yeah, when, when No Way Home comes out, it's going to make a lot of sense then what we're trying to do. So really, it really seems like they're hinting that multiverse line. Again, I'm wondering, is Kevin Feige sitting at home like, why are they saying this? Stop saying all these things. I haven't said yes yet. So there's a lot, there's a lot to go off of. Again, I still am trying to understand why we saw Michael Keaton in the trailer for Morbius. What does that mean? There's just so much ambiguity up in the air. And hopefully by this December, we'll have some clarity on it. When does Morbius, I hope, honestly, when does Morbius, Morbius come is coming out uh, in October, I want to say, or September. Let me double check for you okay. guys right now. Yeah, it's, I know it's been um, thrown around a lot. It's been it's been pushed a lot because it's supposed to be last year. It's actually coming out January 22nd, 2022. So after so we got no pushed home. after No Way Home uh, and so it's going to be for this year. We have Venom later this year in September. We have Spider-Man in December, and then we have Morbius in January. So that's that's what we have to look forward to. Someone who won't be in the Spider-Man villain verse going forward, Timothy Chalamet to play Willy Wonka in new origin tale from Warner Brothers and the Royal Doll Story Code. This is coming from Justin Kroll of Deadline. 
Timothy Chalamet is ready to head to a world of pure imagination as the Oscar-nominated actor is set to star as the iconic inventor and chocolate maker in Warner Brothers and the Royal Doll Story Co.'s Wonka. Based on characters created by Royal Doll, the story will focus on a young Willy Wonka and his adventures prior to opening the world's most famous chocolate factory. Sources also tell Deadline that Wonka will mark the first time Chalamet gets to show off his singing and dancing skills with several musical numbers set to appear in the film. He's been the top choice for some time, but scheduling was a hurdle that he had to be overcome as training for those numbers is included as prep for the film. Shay, what do you think of our friend of the show, Timothy Chalamet, playing Mr. William Wonka? Look, I'm down for T-Shells to do whatever he wants to do, okay? Uh, he's a friend of the show. He doesn't know it yet. But look, if he's going to be out there singing and dancing now as Willy Wonka, I am here for it. I have never personally seen the Tim Burton uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Or what was it called? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I've never it. seen it. It creeped me out. Um, I didn't want to watch Johnny Depp doing that role. But I love the original Willy Wonka with uh, Gene Wilder. I think that is such a phenomenal film. I used to watch it all the time as a kid. All the time. All the time. And uh, I'm excited to see what, what this becomes. Um, Warner Brothers right now is in a very interesting spot. They are not in the public's best eye. So... Can they spin things around by doing things like this? Probably not, because the community that <laughs> does not like them is going to be very strong about it for quite some time. But I think us, us T-Shall fans, or as they call us, Shalomites, uh, are definitely Shalomites? Gonna, Shalomites, yeah. I think we're going <laughs> to... I was going to say Shalaheads, but I like Shalomites, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. We're, we're, we're definitely excited for, uh, I think, what, what's to come forward. Anthony, how about yourself? How do you feel about a Wonka origin tale? Yeah, it's dope. Uh, you know, when they when they signed on Timothy, it's, it just makes sense. He kind of looks like the character before he does, he's yeah. actually in costume, so he has the look. So that's good, and he's a great actor. Um, I don't know. I like I I I like the Willy Wonka storyline. I like it more for because it's about candy and chocolate, not because of the characters. I just get really hungry watching <laughs> it and want to eat chocolate bars. Yeah. But um, yeah, sure. Why not? Like, let's learn how he became this eccentric chocolate maker and how Oompa Loompas were founded or some created right. or whatever he does with them. I hope th- I hope this is more in the vein of the the seventies film than it is of the of the Tim Burton style one. I, I I would love for this to be almost like a period piece as well too. I think that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of set up this character. Obviously, if he's going to be a younger version of the character, you have to wonder. Okay, is this a younger version of Gene Wilder's, uh, of Gene of of his Willy Wonka, or is it going to be like, uh, like I, I'm just curious when this is going to be set. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm, I'm I like that there's going to be musical numbers and dance scenes and all of that. So I, I want to see Chalamet give us his his singing and dancing chops. Obviously, so you know th- this should be interesting. I just hope that. Um, it delivers. Do we have any director signed on to this yet? Not that I can see. Not that we've seen. So we just kind of wait and see. Hopefully the right creative team is going to be behind this. It seems like the script is already there. So um, if there's great music, great cinematography, great just dancing sequences, it'll be fun. And hopefully there's some great characters along the way. Because I think the first film is very beloved. I don't think a lot of people really talk about the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp version too much because it just feels like a 
a Tim Burton film, but doesn't feel like a, like a, a Royal doll um, adaptation, right? It just feels like Tim Burton kind of playing within his own universe, which for the two thousands, I get that that, that was the thing, but I don't think it, it, I don't think it gives it an everlasting gob dropper appeal like the, the original film was right. So I went on IMDb and Paul King is set to be the director and he's the director Paul King. of um, Paddington Bear 1 and 2. Oh, okay. Yes, I actually, I do think I, I remember seeing that. So that's that's awesome. That's that, Hopefully that means it's in good hands then. Yeah, because Paddington Bear is a fantastic movie. It's like one of the best it's movies there. ever made. Yeah, and it just recently lost its highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes by one bad review. So yeah. we'll, have to track down, we'll have to track down that person. Uh, final major news story of the week. Fully vaccinated people and also just liars can now go mask free at theaters. This is coming from William Hughes at the AV Club. Great news for those who have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and are also just liars. Today, AMC theaters and several major movie chains have announced that uh, patrons will no longer have to wear masks in their theaters. Also, who has... (laughs) Anyone who has received two doses of the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine, one dose of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, or who just or who are just cool with lying their asses off and endangering people around them, are good to demask while watching all the summer's hottest films. The latest move, <laughs> this latest move, is in line with the recent CDC guidelines that state that fully vaccinated people can safely stop wearing masks, and that people who want to lie about their vaccination status will also probably be able to get away with it. Previously, theaters required anyone not actively shoveling popcorn to their mouths to keep their masks on. So this marks a pretty serious step down in precautious, uh, per- precautions for the theater industry. So uh, I love the way this article was written from William Hughes. Uh, of course, this is just in the United States. Later in the show, we're going to be talking about um, the Canadian movie summer season, what that's going to look like for us, if it's going to look like anything for us. Uh but Shay, what do you think about this uh, this new kind of this new way of life in the states? Is going to the theaters, Daniel, no masks. Daniel, look, I'm going to be very honest with you, man. I don't like it. I do not like it at all. Uh, when we started hearing about the CDC saying that you know people that are fully vaccinated, go ahead, take off your masks. I was like, you guys just are opening up this these floodgates to people who are insincere and and absolutely do not care about other people's well-being um i i don't i don't know what else to say other than the fact that it is it is disappointing to see and i i don't want this to be the how it goes going forward if i want to wear a mask i should be allowed to wear a mask if i see people that are around me not wearing masks i do get uncomfortable i was walking around walmart not too long ago and there was a man Walking around, no mask on. Not even like it was hanging from his chin. He just was like, I don't believe in masks. And Walmart didn't say anything. And it was just this I, – I was I was walking like 40 feet away from this guy because right. I was afraid of that – he was probably crazy because of the fact that he's not wearing a mask. And also, he probably had some sort of like God knows what disease. And I'm okay to wear a mask in a movie theater. We warned them when we went to go see Tenet. It didn't bother me at all. Um I'm I'm totally fine with it, but I just I don't like this mask-free theater policy until we really get a handle on this pandemic. Because technically, we're still in the pandemic. Once they right. declared there is no pandemic, hey, 
take off your mask. You know, I, I get it. Also, people really are out there making these fake vaccine cards. And also, the vaccine cards are way too big to fit in a wallet. So I don't know why they even made them that size. But yeah, right. there's all there's all these things that I, but I get why AMC is doing it. I know that at the end of the day, they want people back in the theaters. And for hey. sure. And and it's and again, they're getting their guidelines from the CDC. So that's I, I get it. But also, I think it sets a precedent, which is interesting that. Because you've gotten your vaccine, great, you could go, but there's going to be people who lie, who said who haven't gotten their vaccine or who are mm-hmm. going to go, right? The vaccine doesn't stop you from getting COVID. It just stops you from hopefully dying from COVID. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that people are still smart out there. And, you know, if you're going to go to a theater, just, you know, mask up, protect yourselves. Anthony, how about yourself? What do you think about this? Yeah, it it makes sense um, coming from, you know, the, the states that they're they're doing this type of... Uh, maskless let's get rid of the mask type of thing like i i'm i think canada would be a, li- a lot different when it comes to that um you know there's this idea that masks are bad and that you know you shouldn't have to wear it like for me if i was going into a theater or even during the winter times when even when the pandemic's done i'm gonna wear a fucking mask mm-hmm. just because it's helped like not getting sick uh especially in the environments that we're in where there's a lot of people helps there's there's nothing regarding my freedom that is being restricted from wearing a mask i could take my mask off if i needed to if i had to um but for my well-being and people around me makes sense to wear it the cdc is really they're really quick to make these changes literally less than a year ago they were like no masks then masks then no masks again because you're vaccinated but then double mask as well and then double mask mask. they don't know what they're what they're doing i the only problem i would have especially if i was going into a theater but again this is this to our american listeners uh, me no offense but you guys like to fucking congregate like 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 you know bugs on top of other bugs like you, you love being a, <laughs> hold on a second I don't bugs know, I get, on top of other bugs, bugs I, the, i'll be honest you know i've never i've never heard of that stone and there's bugs on top of other bugs that's, that's uh, that's a new Anthony quote we have to write yeah, down. You like yeah, to conquer like, bugs, congregate congregate like bugs. bugs on bugs, dude. Like <laughs> they, you, you guys think masks are harboring your freedom, and you know, you, not all Americans. I mean, not Americans. Be, no, I'm not, just saying, but like yeah. you see it though. Like you see, the Give news. Daniel. You see the news, I, yeah, and we, we see we see a lot. We see a lot of that here, here too, too. You know, like the, the anti-mask yeah. marches. You know. It's not it's not impeding on your freedoms. It's just there to <laughs> to protect you, man. That's it. That's All it. those years we would see people wearing masks and we would think, what are these guys doing? No, yeah. they had it fucking straight all this time. They they knew they, they knew what the consequences are. And it was just it's just funny that how our whole idea has changed. But yeah, I I feel bad for if I was going to a theater in the States and I had no one's <laughs> Someone sitting next to me and they're not wearing a mask and they're just coughing into their popcorn and shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, like, do you want some? No. <laughs> yeah, that's that's hold my tissue. And I feel bad because yeah. there's situations where I get where they're coming from, but you know, when you have a big organization saying, "Oh no, don't worry about wearing your mask," it just sets that precedent that it does. Because if you choose to wear a mask, you're the one who looks weird, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're the one who looks like, oh, you're gonna be, you're gonna feel that 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 peer pressure to take it off. And I think that's what I don't like about the CDC announcement. Obviously, they're they're giving us their guidelines. That's great, but when you say that people don't have to wear masks, you're making it that people who choose to wear one are going to be the ones who are 
uh, immediately looked at and outcasted, which I don't I don't appreciate that. Uh, Shay, kick us off with some quick updates as we wrap up the news this week. Quick updates. Here we go. Luca Guadagino confirms he is moving away from Calling By Your Name sequel. Miles Teller replaces Army Hammer in Paramount Plus series about the making of The Godfather. Danae Guerrera to return as a Koye in an origins on in an origin spin-off series on Disney Plus. And Merle Dandridge, who voiced Marlene in the Last of Us video game, will replies will reprise the role in the HBO series. Some some quick updates there. Nothing that we really, I think, need to expand on. But obviously, the Army Hammer stuff, not surprising that the Call Me By Your Name sequel is going to happen. I don't think it even needed a sequel no. uh, on the movie side. Um, Denai Guerrera, great to see her returning as Okoye. She's great. Um, and really cool to see that Meryl Denbridge is kind of making the jump from the video game series to the actual HBO adaptation to play That's Marlene. Like That's really cool to see that. Yeah. Uh, for the first time in a long time, Let's get some box office news. Cha-ching! Oh, yeah. Thank you, Shay. I'm like, what, what's the box office <laughs> sounding? It's, that was I, it. It's been, I, it. It's been so long. I was waiting. I was hoping you'd add the box office in today because, I mean, it's sad for us, but it's happy it's for It's sad everybody. for us for sure. A Quiet Place Part 2 heads for a mega 57 million opening. This is coming from wow. Pamela McClintock of The Hollywood Reporter. John Krasinski's A Quiet Place Part 2 is making history over Memorial Day weekend, grossing $19.3 million on Friday alone from 3,752 theaters for projected four-day weekend of $57 million. Uh, for reference, the first Quiet Place made $50 million its opening weekend. Uh, Cruella grossed $7.7 million from 3,982 theaters on Friday for a projected four-day domestic debut of $27 million to $30 million, likewise ahead of expectations. Obviously, Cruella is going to be on Premier Access as well. The box office looks like it's coming back. That's $57 million from just the States and Mexico if this film is open there and maybe some theaters in Canada that are open Man. only 10% of our theaters are open so this is great news for the box office uh Anthony what do you think about this I I'm surprised Corella didn't make more money seeing it's a Disney film and but it, it it's it's nice to see that these uh films are getting the money they deserve um they're making back some profit and hopefully um this trend will continue to grow I I don't know what what's coming out next week. So you got the Conjuring, the Devil made uh, Conjuring made, is this week. Yep. It. Yeah. So you know, more people go in. That's a good thing as long as there's safety precautions in place, which I probably don't think there is. And uh, yeah, let's see what happens. Shay, how about yourself? You know what? I I'm more astounded by the number of theaters. Uh, you know, we this is th- that's the normal number of theaters we typically see for most movies. So to now see that's normal again, it, it's it makes us feel like I'm living in a bubble, and I I can't wait till we're a part of that. It also kind of helps me go, wow, we Canada really doesn't add much to the global to the North American box office intake. It really doesn't seem like we do much of a dent. Yeah, I mean, like we know, um, we know from like Barry Hertz's article from last week and talking to him this week that uh, traditionally, you know, we take about ten percent of the North American box office. So, <clears throat> sorry, oh my goodness. So add another, I don't know, like eight to ten million dollars from us here in Canada to that opening. But oh man, hopefully, hopefully, 
hopefully us here in Ontario and across Canada will be able to be part of that soon. Let's get into some trailers. 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 I like it. Uh, Of course, because Marvel loves dropping trailers right after our episode debuts. We got our first official trailer for Marvel's Eternals. Uh, let's kind of let's talk about the Eternals trailers first before we get to the rest of them. Uh, Shay, what did you think of the Eternals trailer? I thought it was really, really cool. Um, it definitely has a much different tone than most Marvel movies that we've seen. Definitely. But I'm excited. I, I'm excited because this is the movie that we keep hearing about that Marvel execs are just absolutely fawning over. They're absolutely in love with it. So let me see what the big deal is. I I hope the movie is wicked. I hope we get more information soon. The cast is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, this feels like the biggest casting, uh, the biggest cast in, in Marvel history. So I'm excited. To yeah. See what other than uh, obviously Avengers Endgame, but right. But that also was right. because those <clears throat> cast, that cast became big because of, Marvel. This is already right. established. Like you got Angelina Jolie, yeah, Selma Hayek, Selma Brian Tyree Henry. Like you have some like really big names in this ensemble. It's awesome to see. Visually, it looks beautiful. Obviously, we know Chloe Zhao loves. Uh, there was that that news article that was coming out a couple of weeks ago with how she shot so much just footage without any CG, and Marvel was just like, "Wow, this looks amazing." So it looks visually very different, like you said, Shay Anthony. How about yourself? I really, really liked it. Uh, that opening shot, I thought it was uh, No Man Lands 2. No Man <laughs> Lands 2. It, uh, it, yeah, it just has her visual take on it. But then there's there's these, there's these the storyline, which is a Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's a great blend of two. And I'm interested to see what she does with, her, with these characters and how she tells um, a Marvel story. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of character development and a lot of thought into why they are doing what they're doing on the planet. Right. And uh, just the cast looks fantastic. There's, I'm not too sure what the storyline is. A lot of people are are saying that these Eternals have forgotten their Eternals, so they might be doing the, the Neil Gaiman storyline. But again, we don't really know. Hopefully that's, that's the storyline because... You know, if these Eternals were always here, why weren't they part of Endgame? And I know a big part of it is they don't they don't uh, involve themselves in everything, right? They don't interfere. But with Thanos being one of the what do they call them? Uh, it's, it's like um, oh, like like because he he's a celestial, like or he I guess he was an Eternal, right? He is an Eternal. He's like um the. Uh, because there's the the Eternals. Yeah. Which are, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name of it now. The dredges of the Internals, like the uh, opposite the in, of an Eternal. the Internals. Yes. So he's from that family, and I think him and uh, Athena is it Athena or Angelina Jolie's character? They're somewhat cousins. Uh, Athena. They're cousins in, in one form or another. A deviant. A deviant. deviant. That's it. Yes. Yeah, because Thanos <clears throat> is a deviant. So he's the opposite of an eternal. So why were they missing? And there is this whole this, this whole storyline that they've forgotten who they were. That's why they have it. Yeah. Um, and this and this is supposed to take place over, I think, like 3,000 years or something like that. So yeah. that's a lot of time to span, I think, in a yeah. movie. Uh, Shay, you're looking forward to this one as well? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait. 
can't wait. Uh, other trailers we got this week, Infinite, which is a Mark Wahlberg film where he uh, lives forever, dies and comes back. He's in, he's in, he's infinite. Yeah, seems like it. He's, yeah, he's Mark Wahlberg playing Mark <laughs> he's Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> playing a Highlander you know, character. There you go. Uh, Last Night in Soho. This is the trailer for Edgar Wright's next film, which sets to be a horror thriller. Uh, Shay, what did you think of this trailer? Um, I liked it. I don't like the way, I don't like the way that um sounded. Yeah, I liked it. Like, I mean, here's the thing: we love Edgar uh-huh. right here on the, on the show, and. I like the trailer. I just I'm afraid it might be style over substance. Edgar Wright is a great stylish director. Um, his Cornetto trilogy is is unreal. His Scott Pilgrim is unreal. Um, I just hope this movie is good. The trailer didn't blow me away, but it also kind of had me going, okay, I want to see more because I really liked a lot of the visuals that he showed. Yeah, those shots of them transitioning between the two different characters looks really, really cool. So it kind of looks like uh, one of the characters is being like possessed by like Anna Anna Taylor Joy, you know? Anya Taylor Joy, yeah, yeah, you know, like it looks like she's maybe possessed by her, taken over by her. Something's going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks really cool visually, stylistically, looks great. But uh, I'm just curious to see what this is going to be, right? Because I think something like what I like that you said that you know Edgar Wright is a great stylistic director. Um, but is it going to be style over substance in this movie? Which I think Baby Driver kind of leaned into a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony, how about yourself? Yeah, it's an interesting. It, it's an interesting um, story. It seems like it's a horror slash psychological thriller. So we don't know if it's a split personality or if it's actual real. So I'm I'm curious to see what he does with it. Uh, it it wasn't a trailer that wowed me into wanting to watch it. It almost felt like yeah, I would watch this on Netflix type yeah. of thing that it felt like a Netflix sure. show or a movie but um yeah it's Edgar why not he probably probably the writing's fantastic even though it's not something that captivates me at the moment it might once I watch it mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting because this is also releasing the same day as the French Dispatch in October so we'll see how that's going to shake up that's two very uh Artsy distinct movies artsy uh, distinct directors dropping movies on the same day so we'll see how it plays out uh this week we also got a new trailer for the tomorrow war false positive gunpowder milkshake which looks really cool escape room tournament of champions jungle cruise and m night Shyamalan's shop m night Shyamalan's old uh any other of these trailers stick out to you guys that you want to talk about uh gunpowder milkshake looks cool i know anthony uh you were talking about that one too yeah, it has like this, you know, John Wick vibe, but it's also cartoony humor, but with with really cool action. And I, I for me, the trailer the, that I really liked and it was surprising was old. I, for some reason, thought that trailer was really interesting. And I, I thought, oh, well, yeah, I would go watch this in theaters or watch it at home. The storyline of this beach that makes you old and the trailer does a really good job of making you wonder what the anxious fuck. as hell. Man. Yeah. Makes I was, you wonder I was just so happening. stressed watching it. Um, I yeah. hope it's a great M night film and it doesn't have a stupid twist at the end. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's him yeah, and it's, Stephen King, man. It's those endings. water. It's 18 years. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's definitely one to look out for. So old, it's on my radar. I, it looks really cool, but again, I don't want it to be one of those movies that, oh, here's the idea, and then the execution of it. You're just like, didn't really 
didn't really land right uh out this week we have the conjuring the devil made me do it which we will have a review out for and spirit untamed which will be an animated film coming out later this week uh what we're watching shay start us off with what what you are watching uh, so episode six of Mayor of Easttown, uh, tonight when we're recording this, is the series finale. Ooh, and I am buddy. hyped. I, I really can't wait to see where this goes. The show is is phenomenal. If you haven't already watched it, uh, you're doing an absolute disservice. You need to watch the show. Kate Winslet is killer. Uh, Cruella, our review is up. Just like Anthony last week, I went back to Righteous Gemstones. I watched it again. This show is so damn funny. Like It's one of those shows that I could probably watch one more time again and still feel the same kind of way I did the first time. We have our Friends, the Reunion uh, review up as well. I put on Shrek 2 one night because I was preparing for the Saw film, so I wanted to start off really fun <laughs> and then jump into Saw. So I, I In one day, I watched Saw 4. Uh, so I say Saw 6, Saw 7, Saw 8, and Spiral. I was sawed out that day. Like I And Jigsaw. Did I, you watch Jigsaw th- that day too? Well, that was Saw 8. I said Jigsaw, yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, so I was sawed out that day. And it's funny because my grandma was over and she was downstairs. And I was like, I got to watch these movies before tonight. So I put them on. And my grandma loves horror movies. But she's not a big fan of gore. So we're watching it and she's just like, She's just kissing her teeth the whole time, like, just, <laughs> poor just, thing. What man. is this? Like, she's literally watching a woman be impaled, and she's like, and just she, I look over and I turn around, and she's just like covering her eyes, and she's like, and then she looks at me, she's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, I'm so sorry, I have to review this. He's like, what kind of show do you do? And I'm like, it's called the movie <laughs> podcast. Uh, and I put uh, on no catch it every single Monday, <laughs> and then I plugged into her, Grandma. yeah. Uh, and then I watched uh, Nobody last night. Uh, one of my, I think this is still my favorite movie of the year. I absolutely love this movie. Definitely. Uh, Anthony, how about yourself? Yeah, I I started the week off with Cruella. I watched Spyro from the from the Book of Saw, Friends Reunion, Dark Side of the Ring, Ultimate Warrior. Uh, that was the episode. No Country for Old Men, Mayor of East Town, that's spelled wrong, and Black Monday Season 3. Uh, just getting into my Corella review, because I know I wasn't part of it, um, I really, really enjoyed this film. I was super surprised. Um, fantastic movie. I think the costume design and just the whole fashion part of this movie was really, really, really good. Uh, Emma Stone did a fantastic job of playing Corella. She brought the character um, life. You know, this... We've always we grown up to know her as this evil person who wants to murder dogs, but there's more. To Emma it. Stone or Cruella? Cruella, sorry. sorry. Okay. Cruella. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I understand her her frustration with it. I or her why she has done or why she does not like Dalmatians. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I don't know if this is a reinvention of her character. Hopefully, it is because it seems like there is more story to her that I want to see. I and truthfully, I don't really care for the the Dalmatians, like the 101 Dalmatians storyline anymore. I think this storyline with Cruella was fantastic, and I even though she's a villain, she's not really a villain, you know. And and she has this really great scene where she has her Joker moment, where she realizes who she is, and I thought that was fantastic, and just. The whole movie was really, really good. The side characters, mm-hmm. the, the little dogs that were part of the team, and um, Emma Thompson, who was 
the villain of this film. She was ruthless, yeah. <clears throat> but everything from set design to shot location. But the music is the awesome. Music, the music choices that were picked, the period piece that it was that it uh, took place in, everything about this movie was fantastic. And I think um, if this movie is not nominated for something in the in next year's Academy Awards, it's it, it would be shocking because it it was a fantastic film. I would say it's. My favorite movie of the year. It's better than wow. Better than nobody at this point. Nobody. Wow, second. that's awesome. <clears throat> that's yeah, great. I really that's like a, that. That's that's you know, that's a great praise. When that's I don't, when I don't take my phone out, then you know it's a good movie. Yeah. There you go. And I didn't look I at my it. phone for a good. The only problem I had with it was a little too long. Um, other than that, it was just great. It was a great two hours and two two and a half hour movie. Definitely, I know. I'm I'm excited, and obviously, if you if you want to watch Corella, you can this weekend in Canada at home on Disney Plus Premier Access. You could also watch it if you're in the states in theaters and on Premier Access too. So you have options. That's great. Uh, uh, that's great, Anthony. Thank you for that. Uh, for myself, like you guys, Mayor of Easttown, Episode Six. I am on pins and needles, seeing how this next episode is going to go. Uh, in preparation of Loki coming out. Next week, I've been rewatching, or I started a Loki rewatch of the MCU. So I watched Thor. Um, I'm going to watch Avengers maybe today, and then I'm going to kind of go through all the Loki films uh, of the franchise to kind of just get caught up for Loki and just not caught up, but like just watch them again because why not? Uh, Friends to Reunion, which we have a review out for now, which you can listen to. Spiral from the Book of Saw, which we'll have a review out for tomorrow if you're listening to this on monday and continuing star wars the bad batch which is such a damn good show um also on disney plus love it dark gritty star wars some of the best star wars are going to watch so definitely check it out wow we got through that episode fast today i'm really excited because coming up next on the movie podcast we are going to be speaking to barry hertz the deputy arts editor and film editor of the globe and mail uh we're going to be talking about the upcoming summer movie season see what's going to be happening there if there's even going to be one so stay tuned for that Welcome back to the Movie Podcast. Joining us now to talk about the upcoming Canadian summer movie season is the Deputy Arts Editor and Film Editor for The Globe and Mail. Please welcome to the show, Barry Hertz. Hi, Barry. Thanks hey. for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. You know, I could be better. I could be in a movie theater, perhaps, but oh. uh, stuck at oh. home like the rest of us. <laughs> you had to bring that up. I, well, I thought it would. I thought it would come <laughs> no. up eventually. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we were telling you before the show that uh, you know we've we've cited your your articles and tweets many times on the show. So it's an honor to have you joining us uh, today. Can you tell us a little bit what you do for the Globe and Mail? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, the deputy editor uh, for arts and film editor. So basically, for the Globe, that means um, I am concentrating primarily on film uh, in Canada. So I am uh, keeping track of the release schedule. I am writing reviews. I am writing features. I am writing news. And I am also assigning um, and editing freelance um, coverage of those topics. So anything Canadian film, basically, that's my terrain. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, it's no secret that in Canada we have we're in a pretty difficult spot right now with theaters being closed and movies like Spiral, Quiet Place Part Two, and more not getting that PVOD release. Like, how do you think we got in this mess? 
Uh, well, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of people to blame. We can spread the blame around for this mess. Um, I think first off, you know, theaters, I do feel have been unfairly singled out, um, by public health and government, um, bodies for, um, being, uh, you know, if you were to take it by their word, theaters were death traps of a sort and hot, uh, you know, hot spots for outbreaks. Um, well, you know, if you actually look at the data that is on offer and you listen to the experts out there, um, there really hasn't been any kind of case of uh, COVID transmission in cinema not just in Canada, but around the world. Now, of course, you know, this is these this information is coming from various trade associations associated with cinema operators. So of course they're going to be um, you know, protective of their industry, but um, you know, they also would have no need or reason to lie, um, because that would put them in a very worse position. And furthermore, no government has right. really actually come out and said you know, we've had an outbreak at this location, or this is the reason that we're doing it. We hear and we have been hearing for the past year plus about um, transmission inside of restaurants, inside of factories, inside of bars, inside of gyms, inside of yoga classes, inside of spin classes. Um, but nowhere in the world, and I've done a lot of very thorough research um, on this subject, have we heard about outbreaks inside of a cinema? Um, so that's kind of, you know, one blame of unfairly singling out, um, cinemas and the cinema environment, um, I feel is also, you know, it is particularly well suited for, um, the current kind of pandemic reality. They, you know, if it's spaced out, it's, it's a high ceilinged, uh, typically kind of space. People are generally silent. There's not a lot of talking going on and whatever talking is going on it, you know, you're facing the backs of other people. Um, so it's just, it's a good environment from that, from my understanding of the situation. And again, there, there just hasn't been any data um, that I've seen that can really quite justify the very long shuttering uh, of cinemas that we've seen, especially in Canada. So that's one area to blame. They're, they're shut. I feel it's quite arbitrary and not really quite justified. The second part is that, um, well, the distributors and studios um, have basically within the past, uh, since the start of the new year, I would say, um, treated Canada as kind of a easy to ignore marketplace, um, which is very disheartening. Um, there has been some sentiment and it's shifted certainly, but there has been some sentiment that Canadian audiences, well, you know, kind of screw them. Sorry. Um, I mean, we've seen it with, right. with of uh, studios releasing <clears throat> titles theatrically only in Canada when through no fault of mm -hmm. theater operators or audiences, certainly 90% of the marketplace is shut down. So why are you even bothering to release a title mm -hmm. that is in inaccessible to the vast majority of Canadian moviegoers? So we've, we've been on the bad end of the stick of a couple of very bad decisions and, and some questionable decision-making. And, you know, 
obviously I have a vested interest in this um, as my career and a field that I cover. Um, but, you know, I'm also just like a really passionate and dedicated moviegoer. And I love going to the theater. I love seeing new releases. I love participating in that communal experience. And I'm positive as box office receipts have proven in the past, not alone in this country. So it's just a particularly depressing right. and frustrating situation. Something, something I want to touch on that, that you brought up is just that theaters are, you know, perfect, I guess the perfect spots to you know, implement like social distancing and these safe, these safety regulations. We had um, Sarah Van Lang on our show last year when theaters were reopening the, um, the communications director for Cineplex. Uh, and she was walking us through what's, uh, what safety measures Cineplex has put in place for um, further shows. So when we went to go see Tenet last year, um, it did feel like a very safe environment for us, mm-hmm. at least like I, I felt safe watching a film there. Um, yeah, it felt, I think, a little scary being back after so long. And I think last year, too, we had a very different understanding of uh, of where we were with the virus at that time. But all the measures that were put in place, we did feel safe and, and comfortable in that environment. Um, so it's interesting to see now that we're, you know, we're heading back into the summer movie season and, you know, the state's everybody's kind of back in theaters there that, you know, we're still in the same spot and we're almost worse off now than we, what we were last year, because now we're oh, not even yeah. getting a lot of movies, right? We're, we're far worse off. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of funny in that way, darkly funny, but um, you know, in, in August of last year, we Canada did reopen. And I recall that, uh, you know, Cineplex was the first, um, major exhibitor to completely reopen um, their locations in the world at that time. We were the kind of the first major market to really blanket reopen. And it was great. It was cause for celebration. We got, as you said, we got 10 a couple of weeks earlier than the US. We got Unhinged a couple of weeks earlier. We got that SpongeBob movie. Um, it was a really neat reversal um, yep. where Canada is usually thought of a second, as a second place uh, market. Um, and suddenly we were ahead and it was great. Right. But of course, you know, that smugness um, has now reversed and we are <laughs> looking at to be the last, um, which is very depressing and, you know, kind of deserved in a, in a way as, as karmic payback for that uh, early reopening, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, of course, if you haven't been somewhere in a long time and you hear constant um noise about that being an unsafe space of course you're going to be walking into it feeling nervous but i i did manage to see tenant i did manage to see a handful of other titles um during that brief window um in august and early fall last year when the toronto theaters were open and i i did feel very safe as you say like right. uh, theaters because of ticketing um they can space themselves out accordingly um with reserved seating um, it's a very, from my understanding, and I do not consider myself an epidemiologist in the slightest, but from my understanding, it is a very safe element and one of the safest kind of indoor activities you can participate in. And that's all taking into a place in a world where COVID was a thing that couldn't really be reckoned with. Well, now it can be reckoned with. We, we've seen you know, very good vaccine uptake here. Um, we're seeing the numbers are dropping very steadily. As you say, 
just look toward the U.S. I, I really do feel that they're, um, you know, about a month or two ahead of us in the future. But I, I do feel that's where we will be going. But I also am very concerned right. about Canada, particularly Ontario's reluctance to really open up anything that seems like leisure or fun. I feel there is um, kind of an anti-fun bias that's going on here, not because the activities are necessarily <laughs> unsafe, but just because there is that um, appearance of fun equals danger. And especially in anything that's right. indoor recreation activity should be, you know what, we're in a pandemic, everybody's miserable right now, we should not allow ourselves to have any kind of leisure whether or not that's actually scientifically fair or based on any actual data regarding public safety, it doesn't matter. And I feel now that Ontario has been just doing such a bad job throughout all of this in terms of communication. They've backed themselves into a corner where they're going to be the most cautious, um, irregardless, or actually I said regardless because irregardless is not a word, um, regardless of act, the actual <laughs> risk element. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know that in your article, you even brought up British Columbia's logic of having indoor dining, but not having theaters. And I feel like that's it's it's just so bizarre, because here we had at a certain point, I think in March, where the malls had opened in a certain way. And if you walked into a mall, it was shoulder to shoulder packed, but yet the theaters were still closed. Just really bizarre planning that they've done. Yeah, I mean, this is the problem. We get into comparatives, right? Um, you know, I, I love in a very dark way, you know, at the dawn of the pandemic last year, there was so much conversation about like, for instance, remember that brief window when strip clubs were allowed to open and people were like, how can a strip mm -hmm. club open when I can't go hug my grandmother? I was like, well, you can't, you know, let's, can we please just <laughs> separate the two and look at everything in their own kind of isolated risk silos rather than having everything be blanket sector by sector lumped into this kind of um, risk analysis. So yeah, it is frustrating. And yeah, I mean, the British Columbia example, fortunately, it seems like with their reopening plan, which was announced yesterday, it seems like theaters are going to be open basically by Canada Day there um, after being shuttered um, for almost even longer than in Ontario. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I recall that, um, you know, of course there's the Rio cinema in uh, Vancouver, which rebranded itself as a sports bar in order to stay open um, because theaters were closed, but bars <laughs> could continue to operate. And I recall somebody in public health actually applauding right. that decision and saying, wow, what inventiveness and being proactive, completely missing the point that it was a subversive play that was pointing out the ridiculousness of the policy. So I feel that right. there has been a large communication and policy failure um, for the entertainment uh, and leisure sector across Canada. Um, and unfortunately, for several reasons, uh, theater owners have really bore the brunt of it. Um, and that's that's a perfect segue actually to my next question because you know Ellis Jacobs and mentioned that you know he called Ford's reopening plan absurd and you know theaters here will be closed longer than anywhere else basically in the world. Can can Cineplex really do anything at this point? Can any theater chain in Canada do anything at this point to 
to to fight this. I know you, you we were uh, we were talking about too, like drive-in movie theaters as well seem to be closed, or it's kind of unclear if they could open. Like, what could theater chains really do? And during all of this, I mean, they they can lobby as hard as they want. Uh, drive-in theaters, uh, fortunately, are going to be included in that step one um, announcement. Okay, good. Um, it was a little, it was quite confusingly worded, but um, so the earliest I believe that happens is June fourteenth, um, which is still like a significant taking a significant chunk out of the summer movie season for drive-in operators, which never should have been allowed, um, permitted to yeah. close. Um, the safest activity imaginable. Um, just a ridiculous um, case of, of optics. Um, but what can theater owners do? They can lobby as hard as they can. I know they have been lobbying and they have been making their case as best as they can. I do feel they're falling, unfortunately, on deaf ears. Um, you know, of course, you know, Cineplex does have the option of just shutting itself down and taking itself out of the Canadian marketplace. But I mean, that is a self cannibalizing kind of act. Really, they're, you know, they're in as tough and impossible a situation as the, the hundreds of thousands of small business owners in this country who have been similarly impacted and just have to uh, abide by whatever policy is handed down, no matter how much they protest or, or put up reasonable debate that um, those policies are not actually reasonable ones. Right. No, that's so true. That's so true. One of the things that I know Daniel mentioned before was, you know, the theaters opening in the States and how everyone got a huge celebration. They were making welcome back trailers. Mm -hmm. When theaters eventually open up here in Canada, do you think we're going to see that same influx of moviegoers like we did in the States? Or do you think here the movie theaters are going to have to create some sort of incentive for people to come back? Because, I mean, our ticket prices are a little bit higher also than what we see in the United States, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's going to be a, a more difficult situation. We also, I mean, that kind of cheerleading campaign is, is kind of a, you know, a product of Hollywood, which is much better mm. at, at selling um, the theatrical experience than the Canadian marketplaces. Um, we don't have that kind of domestic right. talent to really, you know, we don't, who's our Matthew McConaughey is going to make a, a promo video. Will for, Arnett. <laughs> oh, I guess so. I guess so. But is he also, what, what film is he going to be promoting? He's not exactly a movie star. Um, <laughs> sorry, well, I, I do love you, but um, it, it will be a dip, more difficult sell. And I'm also not quite convinced that the theater-going population, even in the U.S., is quite there at full steam. We did have that very big success with uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which was very heartening to see. But since then, we haven't had quite a breakout. Now, I think that time, the, the tide might change this uh, upcoming week with uh, Quiet Place Part 2, um, with the Fast and Furious uh, yep. F9 next month. Um, yep. So, you know, it's a steady build there. I think here it will be a little bit more, actually probably much more difficult to, to convince um, just because Canadians are, are just that much more, I feel, inherently risk averse um, and extra cautious. But, you know, I'd love to be proven wrong. I would absolutely love to be proven wrong. Do you uh, do you see like so right now with HBO Max, uh, obviously with we don't get movies day and date here. We we will usually get the announcement of PVOD, like in the the example of like I think Mortal Kombat and even Godzilla versus Kong. It was a very late announcement that it was coming to PVOD um, here day one. What do you see? Do you see this continuing next year? I know Warner Brothers says they're not looking to 
do this next year? Can you see uh, Warner Brothers or other studios continuing to do like their day one PVOD or, um, you know, their premiere access like on Disney Plus uh, going uh, into next year? Not not in 2022. No. What I do see is a, a severe shortening of the theatrical window. I mean, we've already basically seen Disney say they're going to do 45 days with um, the Ryan Reynolds free guy and uh, the new Marvel uh, Shang-Chi. Right. Um, so, you know, what was previously a 90-day window, uh, that 90-day window is dead, as, like, I think we all can come to terms right. with that. I think we will see shorter ones. I think we'll see, the, again, the 45-day window will p- probably be the maximum. Uh, you know, last year we had Universal Pictures uh, sign the deal with major exhibitors, including Canada's Cineplex, about basically the two- to three-week yep. window for smaller titles. Um, so I feel that will be the norm, um, less so than day-and-date PVOD. Um, because that was kind of a very unusual situation that Warner kind of unilaterally decided to pursue under different ownership. Um, now, from my understanding, is that that policy will continue for the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, Canadians were kind of thrown a bone because we do not have HBO Max um, and we did not have operating right. theaters. So fortunately, uh, Warner Brothers Canada decided to place all their titles on PVOD. Um, and I hope that they'll continue to do so until at least the fall uh, when our theaters are back at uh, hopeful uh, larger capacity levels. But I also know that, as you say, with Mortal Kombat, with Godzilla versus Kong, there was hesitancy um, to put you know, their quote-unquote bigger titles on PVOD day and date here. And it was really a very last-minute decision um, for Godzilla versus Kong less than a week um, before it opened. And there was, I, I feel that yeah. was driven by a lot of out- audience outrage that people want to see this movie. Canadians want to see these movies. They want to see movies. They more also, more importantly, they want to pay to see these movies. They, they don't want to resort to piracy. Right. Um, so if you give them the option, there's a market there. And I believe Godzilla versus Kong made uh, $3 million in its opening weekend on PVOD in Canada, yep. which is a very mm. impressive number uh, given our usual, uh, you know, in a normal period box weekend box office, which would for a very large title mm-hmm. would be, you know, in the reaches of maybe five, six million if it was playing in all the theatrical markets in Canada. So three million for a PVOD release right. in Canada, that's great. So I don't understand these companies that seem to be content with leaving money on the table. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And it's a thing too, last year, you know, when, uh, you know, Trolls World Tour came out, we thought that was going to like, uh, that was like changing the game or like that, that sent so many ripples throughout Hollywood and, you know, making that, causing that feud with AMC and Universal because of the releasing of that on, mm-hmm. on PVOD. So how far we've come since last year. Well, I mean, if you actually just kind of like take like a spreadsheet or just a timeline and look at all the changes that have happened in the film industry um, from March 2020 to today, um, there's about a decade worth of, of news and development packed into 14 very chaotic months. Um, we have the collapse of the theatrical window. We have the introduction of at least a half a dozen streaming services. We have the consolidation of major American studios, uh, some kind of twice over in the case of Warner Brothers. And today we just heard about Amazon acquiring MGM. Yep. So there's just been so much 
change that it, it's hard for the marketplace to react. And again, you know, Canada, as much as we love ourselves, we are not as big as the US and we will never be. And we're not as big as the Asian or the European territories either. But because historically we have been mm. thought of, we have been always lumped in as the North American box office. That weekend box office, when reports would usually flow in in previous years, that was including us. Um, so we're we're Hollywood loves to include us when we're helpful, but when we're a problem, which we currently are, they seem quicker to react. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Barry, last question. What are you watching right now and what are you looking forward to? Ah, um, what am I watching right now? I'm watching all the new releases that get sent my way, really. Um, I haven't been really impressed by too much. I saw Cruella last week, wasn't a fan. Um, I did kind of enjoy In the Heights, which will be released later this week or later this later in June, sorry. Mm. Um and I think I can say that now that the embargo's up, yeah. Um, and uh, what I'm looking forward to, I, I'm just looking forward to getting into a theater. I, 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 you know, right, right now it doesn't seem likely until August, but I would love to. I mean, I am. I, I like to call myself one of the Canada's biggest Fast and Furious fans, and it it is a no <laughs> source of distress to me that I might not be able to. A, see that on a big screen. B, see it at all. Um, yeah. We just we uh, we have no idea what Universal Canada is planning for that title right now, um, given our current state of affairs. I mean, June twenty fifth is its opening. That's a month away, technically a while, but really not at a all. Month away. Uh, it's already been open in, in uh, foreign territories, including China, uh, where it's doing very well. Um, mm-hmm. But the question is. With the fragmented marketplace in Canada of theaters, maybe BC theaters will be open by then. Uh, maybe in Atlantic Canada, they are open. In Quebec, they are open. And, and by the way, that's the thing we should also recognize. Quebec has had its movie theaters open for several months now with no incident. Um, again, they kind of have a ban on concessions, which is um, interesting. Um, and they're dealing with a curfew as well, or they most recently were, which definitely hampers things. Right. But they have been open and there hasn't been any kind of cry of panic or terror over that fact. So um, anyways, all of which to say, I really hope to see F9 somehow. <laughs> if I am not able to see it in time <laughs> late August, we're with you. I will be so sad. I recognize there's a lot of other people being I know. very it, sad it, about <laughs> other much more important things, but strictly, you know, For movies sure. are something I cover, <laughs> movies are something I'm very interested in, and F9 is kind of yep, my of course, sure. break moment. No, for sure. We're, we're, we're with you, honestly. Like, um, obviously, we have a show called The Movie Podcast. We <laughs> love movies, and for part of the show and for just – for our own sanity, we, we turn to them and it, it, it stings a little bit, especially when you're seeing other like reviewers and things like that in the States have already seeing it on a big screen and Mm -hmm. you, you, you want to be part of that. You, we, you feel left out. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that our, uh, our government starts to take more notice and start adjusting accordingly because it's, we're ready to be back. I think, I think we're, we're in a spot where we could be back. I think so too. And I think really, you know, what it, what it might come down to is, you know, moviegoers making their voices heard and and expressing their frustration. Um, There, you know, there's such a immense level of anxiety introduced 
last spring and automatically because we didn't know any better and because the 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 knowledge of covid was was so new and, and so changing that everybody just assumed you know movie theaters were the last place you would want to be and i feel there's so been so much damage done to the just idea of movie going itself that um you know i think the industry needs to support it i think the government needs to support it um and audiences need to support it so you know make your voices heard say that you you feel safe going back you want to be able to be given the choice to go back and build momentum for that conversation Mm-hmm. Perfect. Barry, well thank said. you so much again for, for joining us on the WE podcast today. Um, it's going to be a really interesting few weeks and months going forward. But uh, before we go, I just want to please let our listeners know where they can connect with you, where they where they could, uh, where can they see all the amazing work that you're doing. Oh, sure. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm publishing in, in the Globe and Mail, uh, both print and online. Um, so check us out, theglobeandmail.com. <laughs> uh, we're there all the time. We'd love to have you as a reader and subscriber. And, um, you know, for the most up-to-date kind of news, and I do like to keep, you know, my readers um, up-to-date about any kind of the many wacky Canadian release shifts that go on. So I'm on Twitter, um, at Hertzberry, H-E-R-T-Z-B-A-R-R-Y. Um, and I'm probably too prolific a tweeter. So um, if you if you follow me, you'll follow a lot. So there. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to have all those links and more in our show notes below. So make sure you check that out. Barry, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you again so much, Barry, for joining us on the movie podcast. I'm hoping that we could have uh, him on the show again sooner. Any big takeaways from what we spoke about with uh, Barry, Shay? You know, it, his insight into the the Canadian theater market is, is, is phenomenal. He was right on board with exactly what we were saying and how we were thinking on the show. Uh, so it's good to see that, that we're on the same page. I think one of the things that he mentioned that was so important was we need to start really, I guess, campaigning for our theaters to open up because we know that for a fact that Cineplex and, and, and Landmark and whoever else is here in, in Canada, they've been taking great care of the safety precautions People right now, it's summer, and we understand there's a virus. More people are getting vaccinated, but they need to speed up this process before we lose another summer to being just stuck inside the house. Right. And I think that's that's so true. Um, so definitely, uh, thank you again, Barry. That was great. Uh, we're really lucky that we had you, and hopefully we can have you again on soon. Um, as always, you can catch a brand new episode of the Movie Podcast every single Monday. And watch out throughout the week for our review episodes and all the latest movies and series. This week, we have The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It coming out. We have Spiral from the Book of Saul. We're going to have Loki coming soon. So there is lots to look forward to on the Movie Podcast feed. Make sure you're following us across all of our socials at the movie podcast and leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to us check out our show notes for all those links and more that was this time with the movie podcasts and we'll see you next